This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. and welcome to Sightlines, your guide to the visual arts in and around Dunedin. I'm Sally McMillan and this show is brought to you on behalf of the Dunedin Public Art Gallery Society. In today's show we'll be featuring the Otago Polytechnic School of Art. We'll be talking to two students in their final year and asking them about their paths to a fine arts qualification and their plans for the future. We'll also be considering whether New Zealand as a country has yet come of age in welcoming creatives as critical to the health and well-being of our communities. But first, I'm talking to Ross Curry about what's new in the Dunedin arts world. This is Snapshot. Ross, what's happening? Well, Sally, at Milford Gallery in Dowling Street, Lisa Rehana has a show from the 6th to the 30th of November. Lisa is showing a series of stills based on her, on her ihi work retelling the Maori creation story. At Maori Gallery in Princess Street, Amy Hodemakers has a show from the 5th to the 26th of November. Amy paints rich landscapes and abstract oils, often with embedded silver and gold leaf. And there will be an artist talk in Maori Gallery at 1 o'clock on Friday the 5th of November. Brett McDowell Gallery, also on Dowling Street, has a show by Christchurch-based artist Philip Trustrum, starting on the 12th of November. This show will feature large portraits in oils. At RDS Gallery, opposite the railway station, Kakanui-based artist Peter Cleverly is exhibiting until the 20th of November. And I think uh, Peter has a connection to the Otago Polytechnic School of Art, Ross. That's right, Sally. He's actually a former lecturer at the Dunedin School of Art and his work is held in major private collections throughout the country. And don't forget the Diamond Jubilee of New Zealand Ceramics Association's exhibition that continues at the Otago Art Society's rooms at the railway station until the 20th of November. So don't miss that. So what's on at the Dunedin Public Art Gallery, Ross? Well, the fabulous Joanna Margaret Paul show runs until the 14th of November, so get down there before it finishes. And Sally, society members can buy the book on the show at the gallery shop with a generous 20% discount. And it's an absolutely gorgeous book. It um, is, isn't it? Definitely worth buying, yep. At last but not least, the magnificent collaborative exhibition Hurahia Ana Ka Fetu, Unveiling the Stars. This continues at the Public Art Gallery until October 2022, so you've got plenty of time to get the, to that one. A large number of pieces in the show have been ta- bought from society funds, and it shows how significant our society has been in building the Dunedin Collection. Indeed, there'd be no DPEG if it wasn't for the society, so go us. Thanks, Ross, and now it's time for Viewpoint, our monthly feature. The Dunedin School of Art has a long and venerable history. Established in 1870, it was the first fine arts school in the country 12 years before the Canterbury School of Art and 20 years ahead of Elam in Auckland. Initially, the Dunedin School offered drawing lessons, pottery and metalwork. Jewellery classes were added a few years later, with promising students often going on to study further in Australia and England. 
An art club was established in Dunedin through the school and from the earliest days of the school hosted exhibitions of local student art and art from abroad, which it continues to do today. The School of Art has often employed teachers who are themselves established artists with regular public exhibitions of the work of teaching staff. For example, well-known New Zealand potter Neil Grant became the supervisor of the ceramics section. Derek Ball, a Francis Hodgkins fellow, joined the sculpture department and the nationally respected Peter Nichols joined him soon after. Marilyn Webb joined Christy Yong in the printmaking department in 1990 and Raymond Ward became head of art history and theory. Peter Cleverley was a tutor at the School of Arts campus in Omaru. There have been thousands of graduates in the school's 151 years. Some, like Doris Lusk, Toss Williston, Colin McCann, Ralph Otteray, Marilyn Webb and Michael Tuffrey have become full-time, nationally recognised, self-supporting artists. For most, though, there is competition for jobs in art-related fields and consultancy, and for many, retraining in other areas of endeavour which are less creative but more likely to earn them a living following graduation. In recent years, there's been an emphasis on increasing community awareness of student work. The School of Art runs an annual site show of graduate work, and smaller galleries have sporadic shows, but it's not clear to what extent this significantly aids career development. In today's episode, we ask, what plans and aspirations do current graduates have? What's the current job market like, and are they fully prepared for it and able to earn a living from their art, something that's considered by many to be the litmus test for a truly cultured society? So we welcome to the studio two of this year's site exhibitors, Nona Shackleton and Kay de la Cruz. Thanks for joining us on Sightlines today, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. No, no, if I can come to you first, um, you've been at art school for four years? Yep, that's right. So what inspired and motivated you to gain a tertiary qualification in fine arts? Well, I'd kind of just been back and forth working and studying for a few years and sort of just was looking to get out of that cycle and thought about studying and the only thing I really was interested in was doing art. So um, tried out the first year for free and just kind of stuck with it after that. So it has stuck like glue. So you were originally from the UK, I guess you could have applied to schools there. What was it about Otago that attracted you? Um, Well I never really thought about studying in the UK. It always seemed just way too competitive and out of the question. Um, And yeah, after I'd had that time out of high school and sort of just thought that could give it a try here, seemed a lot more nurturing and easier. to smaller and more accessible perhaps yeah a little bit more manageable yeah. and just thought I'd give it a go kind of not worrying too much anymore about it and it's proven to be the case that it is a good place for you to be yeah for sure it's a really um, nurturing and exciting environment to be in and it's a small school so yeah lots of time with lecturers and um, yeah really seem to nurture that creativity and do you get connected to artists in the community as well as a byproduct I suppose of it being a small community? Yeah for sure. Um, Dunedin's got a really awesome arts community and feel really connected to that um, just with your peers that you meet and your friends and yeah you sort of make those connections without even really knowing it so yeah it's just an awesome place. Great for stuff. That. So what about UK? You've been at art school for two years. What was your journey to this point? Well, I had to do a science degree first before I had to <laughs> do um, art because um, my parents want me to do something realistic. So, yeah, 
I had to wait <laughs> till I had to do art. <laughs> have to make yourself marketable, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so the thinking behind that from your parents' point of view, what degree did you do in the first instance to meet their expectations? Um, it was out of their expectations too as well, but it's a science degree, so it kind of, I did geography. Okay. So. Okay. Uh, but at some point um, you broke ranks and you snuck off to art school. Yeah. <laughs> tell us about the decision making around that. I always want to do art from the beginning, so I kind of just had to, I don't know, battle my way through first doing science and then, yeah. So I guess what you're really saying is that for both yourself and your parents, you've got that science degree as a backup. Okay. Yeah. So if we can talk now, I mean, you're, you're now doing honours in painting yeah. uh, and your work is, is gorgeous. I, for listeners' sake, I've seen some of it and it's really, really good. Tell us something about your work. What do you paint? So I paint lots of cartoon characters and the reference to anime because I watched a lot when I was a kid. And at the moment in my current work, I've been doing lots of calligraphy around an ancient script that's been rediscovered this past few years um, no one's really using it so you know I want to try and kind of promote that side of my culture my Filipino culture so okay yeah really interesting stuff and Nona you have quite a different medium for your work tell us something about that yeah I'm currently using found glass material and fusing to make kind of small hand-sized objects using contemporary jewellery kind of histories and perspectives. Okay, so what what led you to that in particular, that medium? Well, um, I've always been interested in tactility, so things that can be understood by touch, and in particular um, thinking about devices such as cell phones and tablets as these kind of objects that sit outside of us but are still inherently connected to us. so yeah, thinking about that, I was exploring glass as kind of the interface to those objects as a material and have sort of just been experimenting with that from here on. Okay, okay. So Kay's talked about uh, the compromise, I suppose, the deal that she did with her family around um, <laughs> want to go to art school and, you know, is that a good idea or isn't it? Was your family supportive of you when you made that decision? Um, Yeah, I'm very lucky in having a really supportive family who kind of just was stoked that I was doing something that I was interested in and enjoyed. Um, Yeah, glad to be doing something. Yeah. So did reaching that point, choosing to go to art school, involve the acceptance of some harsh realities for you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's always going to be tricky to come out of an arts degree, um, not exactly knowing if there's going to be a job at the end, but... Yeah, I kind of tried to set that aside from the start and just have fun and <laughs> learn some skills and see where that's going to take me rather than think about the yeah. career prospects at the end of it. Would you would yeah. you say that creating art is a calling for you? Uh, yeah, kind of, yeah. It's the thing that you most want to do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's yeah. definitely... What about you, Kay? Is it... I've been drawing since I was little, so maybe... (laughs) No getting away from it. (laughs) No, it's always been there. (laughs) Yeah. So you're graduating in a month or so, both of you, and you're exhibiting in this year's site exhibition. Is that pretty exciting? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, (laughs) Okay. 
So Nona, what does 2022 hold for you? Well, I hope to kind of maintain my studio practice as much as possible um, and trying to find viable ways to do that and stay connected to my community. But I'm also interested in pursuing like a free trades course that is available at the moment. Um, that's, I believe there's one more year of free trades under the TTAF scheme. So, okay. So yeah. is the fact that you're looking at pursuing a trade scheme, a reflection of... I guess the reality around the likelihood of being able to support yourself with a fine arts degree. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, that's definitely the case that you might need to, well, most likely will need to support yourself with another income to be able to do what you really want to do. Definitely prepared for that. And in terms of your art, I mean, does practicality come into that at all in terms of what medium you work in, for example? Yeah, I mean, glass jewellery is not not the most marketable thing at the moment (laughs) but um yeah I'm definitely thinking about it a bit more now but it's not at the forefront of my mind at the start I'm not thinking how's this gonna sell or Mm. it's just what makes sense with the material and the idea for me and I guess with glass too you've got to be thinking well what equipment do I need realistically practically speaking you need you know kilns or stuff that's quite big how does that work for you going forward and um, the goal is pretty much just to get a kiln at some point. That's what I'd be happy with. <laughs> Put that in your front room, that's yeah. going to go well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, where do you house a kiln? Um, perhaps looking at other options, people that have those facilities around town and just trying to make it work that way, yeah, yeah. accessing from the community, I guess. Do you think that's possibly easier to do in a place like Dunedin where you've already had the opportunity to have some connection at least with working artists in the community? For sure, yeah. I mean, Dunedin's great for that and might not be the same elsewhere. Glad right. to have the opportunity. And what about you, Kay? What does next year bring for you? Also pursuing art like known. <laughs> um, but I don't know where yet. I have to get myself out there. But I have to um, be financially stable to do that, I think. So I've been applying for jobs for next year as well. And what sort of jobs? Just anything. <laughs> um, some related to my previous degree, which I'm very grateful that I actually did a degree before my arts one. And yeah, just anywhere in Dunedin right now. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, even if you end up working in a field of endeavour other than fine arts, do you think that in a wider context, cre- creatives like yourselves uh, create something valuable and important to the community? Yes, yeah, definitely. What about yeah. you, Nona? What's your view of that? Absolutely. Yeah, we need creatives for all sorts, for mm. problem solving, for all aspects of society. That's 100% what we need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I guess what a lot of your um, uh, what of your predecessors, people who have previously graduated from um, the Polytech, will have gone overseas, and that's clearly something that there's going to be a few breaks on any travel plans for quite some time. Is that something that impacts either of you in terms of your forward planning? I know that UK, for example, have talked about going back to Malaysia. Is that something you know that you've considered but crossed off the list for the time being? Um, going back to the Philippines. Yes, back to the Philippines. Sorry, yeah. Um, uh it's in my list, but I'm not too sure if it's going to be soon or later. So it's not my, it's not my problem yet. Okay. Yeah. 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 And what about you, Nona? Um, yeah, it's not my priority at the moment. Only just to visit family back in the UK. Okay. But that's um, yeah, keeping it here. That's okay. where it's at. 
Okay, well, um, coming up in November, of course, we've said your work and the work of your fellow final year um, students will be exhibited in sight, uh, the art school's annual graduate exhibition. Kay, tell us, what are you exhibiting? Um, so I'm exhibiting a series of paintings of my original character and together with a calligraphy of the ancient script that I've been learning yeah, because I'm not very fluent at my Filipino language, so it's like a good, like, thing to do for my work is to kind of show people like the disconnection that was lost with the roots. Okay, tell us something about that language and the script that you've been working on. Um, so Baybayan is a pre-colonial script that was lost after the Spanish invaded the Philippines. So um and the language is the language we always spoke in the Philippines. It's, it did have some Spanish words in it now, so that's a big impact onto the when I'm writing into the script. It doesn't make sense sometimes because it has the Spanish words and it just doesn't fit with the script. Okay. And and the work that you're doing that incorporates that. What's the medium that you're working in with that? Um, since I'm doing flat art, I'm using acrylic on canvas. Okay. And do you incorporate that with your anime-type characters or are they two separate? Um, I incorporate the character with the ticks, but there are paintings that doesn't have the ticks, it's just the character. Okay. Yeah. Well, you've shown me some great pictures of some of the work that you're going to be exhibiting. Do you want to tell us a little bit about some of the individual works that people can see if they go to site? Okay, so there's one painting that has the girls um, she seems like she's sinking into the ticks and it's just me conveying that the what's the point of me learning the script if I'm not very fluent at speaking my language so it's just like she's swimming in a soup that's swimming in soup is the title of that <laughs> so a re- really personal I guess message yeah from it's you. very intimate my paintings I think yeah. yeah. Is the is the language the script being used much? Um, they're currently using it now, like in marketing wise. I think they're promoting it to the young people, um, particularly. And yeah, and so I you're aiming to be part of that and yeah. promote it too. I wish I can contribute. Great while I'm stuff. Here. Yeah. And what about you, Nona? Tell us about what you're going to be exhibiting. Uh, I'll be exhibiting a range of wearable and non-wearable glass pieces in a kind of um, installation-based exhibit. That's the plan. Okay, so for for those people who are listening who want to be heading along to site and perhaps um, some of our listeners who are particularly keen on jewellery, tell us about what jewellery you're making. Um, So the jewellery that I'm making is mainly um, kind of long pendants that sort of sit at the level of your stomach as if you might like look down into a device kind of object um, but also just non-wearable objects that sort of relate to the hand fit in the hand and kind of reflect that relationship between the person and the device okay so sort of tactile objects that yeah use for what's the objective there what's the what's your um, thinking around that so they might operate in the outside world or in the exhibition space and making an object wearable obviously takes it into different environments, different light conditions. Mm. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about light and screen sensation and 
blue light in particular and how we use red light as a combat to blue light and yeah how that's kind of having physiological effects on us as a person and thinking about that from a jewelry perspective um, that's what I'm really interested in. So again lots of thinking um, going into the work that you're creating which is really interesting to hear the background too and of yeah. course light and glass you know fabulous combination from an yeah. aesthetic point of view. Absolutely I yeah. mean light passing through these objects really changed them as well so yeah experimenting with light has been really interesting experience and hopefully that will be the end result. <laughs> I'm sure it yeah, will be. Do you comes. hope to go on working in glass or do you have an interest in expanding into other materials? Um, yeah I mean I change my materials like almost with every project but I really am enjoying working with glass at the moment but it's always limited by your resources and yeah like driven by the idea so at the moment glass makes sense for what I'm thinking about so maybe other materials will make sense later. Okay. A question that I wanted to ask both of you is when you're in the academic throes of your degree, what, if any, um, education do you get around, okay, you're doing your fine arts degree now, but at some point in time you're going to have to earn a living. So is that something that factors in your thinking at all in the process of the creative work that you're doing? Kay, perhaps asking you that first. I don't think so, because for me, just doing art is like a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not real. I'm not really prioritizing making money out of it. It's re- really just creating something and showing the world something. And yeah, I think that's. And so if that turns into something that's remunerative, that's a bonus. Yeah, it's just like documenting what's now. Is a good like showing that to the future is like important. I think. Yeah. What about you, Nana? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is a real pleasure, and I think people view things really differently when they're coming to a show with commercial um, attachment to it. You know, or you're looking to buy, or it's really a different kind of um, experience to going to see something where it's purely um, about concept or you're just viewing the works for what they are um but yeah if that comes with it that's also great but secondary to mm. the work well i think i speak not only for myself but for many of our listeners to say that we look forward to seeing your work exhibited and we wish you all the best for whatever the future might hold and perhaps today's discussion might prompt us to question whether new zealand as a country is doing enough to nurture the creatives in our community people who, if they're given the opportunity, can add such a valuable dimension to society and to our workplaces and to our businesses. Rather than educating artists, supporting and nurturing them through their degrees, then risking losing their cultural capital as they're forced to earn a living in non-arts-related endeavours, should we have a national objective, perhaps, of supporting artists by way of a creative wage to help them establish themselves to a point where they can earn their own living wage and continue to produce their work for the benefit of the community overall. And for our listeners, one way of showing your support for our arts community and the students in it, such as the ones we've spoken to today, is to see this year's site exhibition, which will be open to the public from Saturday the 20th of November at the School of Art campus in Riogo Street. All the art's on sale, and I really encourage you to get down there, support these talented young people, and help launch their careers. 
Next month, we're talking to a woman at the other end of the career span from today's guests. Jane Dodd makes her living as a full-time jeweller and she's been referred to as the Grand Dame of Dunedin Jewellery. She'll be with us in the studio to talk about her journey from fine arts graduate to one of New Zealand's most collectible jewellers. Join us then and be inspired. If you'd like to hear this show again or listen to previous editions, you can find our podcasts on the Dunedin Public Art Gallery Society website. Thanks to contributor Ross Curry and to producer Jonathan Quayoff, I'm Sally McMillan and you've been listening to Sightlines. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.